Take it away, Derek. What's your question? Why do you guys talk about comics so much? Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? 18 years. <laughs> Toothbrush is still fresh. Did they have sex? Because, I mean, she Hulk, you know. Damn it, Tony. We went an entire episode without mentioning Maggot, and then you ruined it. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Batman's got his little fishbowl on his head, but <laughs> Superman doesn't. Cyclops was right. Except when he was wrong. Master Bruce, you are calm. I'm going to silently judge all of you. Shut up, beast. <laughs> Shut up. Like I've read it so many times, you know, it pretty much just crumbled in my hands. Come on, old chum. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read him? See, I didn't hate Hellcat until you made me read this miniseries. It was just a joke, but you made it real, Justin. No. You made it real. I, I prefer my Dazzler singing, like, Creedence Clearwater Revival songs at Australian bars. Titty discs. And... <laughs> That's what to be known as from now on. Like, I'm going to go into the Marvel Wikipedia and whatever it is. <laughs> the worst titty discs. <laughs> get better than that. Comic books. Motherfucker, do you read them? Hey, guys. Welcome back to another stupendous episode of Fan Holes Comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? Hey, what's up, guys? This is Derek. Derek WC, I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight, and I am joined tonight by a regular co-host for Comics Motherfucker. Do you read them? Why don't you give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight? Uh, Yeah, hey guys. Yeah, we've read some stuff, and one of the things made me wonder what, what am I doing with my life, and how much worse could it get, and like, do do I have the strength to like, you know, really be something better? Oh, we also read Animax. <laughs> so I guess we went back to the old standby, I guess, of, of our, our old fan holes proper shows where we used to do comic book dares. And we had had this sort of star comics dare in our back pocket for a while. And there were a number of permutations of how it was going to go down. But since me and Tony are hanging out tonight and doing the comic dare thing, it was just me and him, and so I, I had assaulted him with the the title Hug a Bunch from Star Comics. I sort of dared him to read Hug a Bunch, and he dared me to read the Star Comic Animax, and neither of us had read the other's comic book before. And to be perfectly honest, I'd never fucking read Hug a Bunch before. I was just like, ah, we're going to fucking make Tony read Hug a Bunch, because it sounded, it amused me. It's amusing to me to torture. You know, like I was like, fucking, what the fuck does Hug a Bunch? But anyway, so, so you know, but anyway, i got to suffer and read it too, so it's only fair. But since Hug a Bunch is technically the, like, chronologically in terms of release, like, it actually predates the first issue of Animax, I guess we'll start off with Tony, because that was... I guess the on-sale date was June 1986, and it's got like an October 1986 cover date, and mine's a few months after that. So, I don't know. Like, did you did you have a game plan on this? Did you did you want to kind of can you synopsize the first issue of Hugabun? I, I I I can. It won't be long. Okay. But I, I okay. Can. Okay. Okay. Let's let's do it then. Yeah, Hug a Bunch number one. You know what? I'm not even going to lie. I, I actually paid attention to the creators on the Animax 
comic because some of them are comic legends. I didn't even look at the creator for Hug a Bunch. So the I'll I'll do that real quick because I got it up in front of me. For the first issue of Hug a Bunch, the writer is Stan K. The penciler is Warren Kramer. The inker is Jacqueline Roche. Roaster, I guess, um, or Ro- I'm I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And then letterer Grace Kramer and colorist is Isabel Bidwell. And I'm trying to think, like Stan Kramer or Stan K, I guess. It seems like he has somewhat of a prolific career as a writer, but it seems like he wrote all these like star toy tie-in type comics like he he, yeah. he has credits on muppet babies and care bears and popples and you know he, he's probably one of those guys who has like a, a child psychology degree and or he he is really good about writing children's stuff he might have written children's books so he was like their go-to guy for this you know yeah and then i guess the the artist warren kramer like has similar credits except for it seems like he's done things outside of star like richie rich and casper you know a lot of the harvey kind of comics along with things like you know heathcliff ewoks you know the the more star-based ones and stuff so yeah but we're, we're not you know unfortunately we're not talking about like you know the higher pantheon of like you know your your you know john burns or your your grant morris right 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 <laughs> But that's the, 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 no 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 nothing against these these fine people. I'm sure they're nice people, and they did their job, which is what it, this is. So, hug a bunch. The first issue is basically starts off. You get a loose introduction to most of them. They have names like Huggins, Hug and Tug, or Tuggins, and <laughs> I'm Huggins sorry, I'm names. sorry, I'm sorry. There's a hug a bunch doll named Tuggins. I can't. I can't let that slip past because I was like, I totally had a moment where I'm like, the doll's name is Tuggins. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. I, I had no, to. I had to. I had to have that moment. Yeah. I was trying to be the mature one, but I totally thought the same thing. So like, it's okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, you get like basically your little. Uh, you know, like Transformers or, or GI Joe, like you get your little like uh, roster of like your, your your various characters and stuff. The, the very first thing I noticed though that kind of like concerned me—I don't know anything about this toy line besides that they were huggable, lovable, fun, or some shit. Like, are all these girls like single moms because they all have babies? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know what the deal with that is. I don't even know if they're all girls or not. Like, is Tuggins a girl? Right. I don't. Right, I, hope, yeah. I hope to God Tuggins isn't a girl. But anyway, because yeah, some so, some some of them some of them are boys. So yeah, I think I'm pretty sure Tuggins is a boy. So so I don't know if Tuggins fathered like all these babies or what. But <laughs> it, it, see, it's weird. Like I don't think you can like think about it too much because this is like I don't know. Like the the toy line kind of reminded me. I mean, it's like they're Cabbage Patch Kids who look kind of creepy, but then they have little. It's like they're little girls or little boys with little baby dolls and the idea is they're they're designed to you know hug the smaller doll it's supposed to be they're the hug a bunch you know they they need something to hug and i guess that and you hug the the bigger doll yeah Yeah, the 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 bigger girl doll hugs the smaller child doll and and that's i guess how that's supposed to work so in in the context of the toy line which by the way is pretty creepy looking i guess or at least i i think 
they, they are the, they are they are rather nightmare fuelish. Like yeah. Cabbage Patch Kids were kind of creepy, but I can still understand why people thought they were adorable. These things just have those eyes, just like you know, like you know, they stare into your soul and <laughs> they gaze into the abyss, and the abyss is blinked. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, but yeah. So uh, we start off with the, the little, you know, everybody everybody basically yells out their name. And the the whole thing is is like they go on adventures every day because yay, and they do this by spinning this sign in front of their little kingdom or whatever. I think it's called Hugaland, isn't it? Yes, yes. They 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 all reside in Hugaland, which is funny because we were, I was trying to explain to Justin about this the other day, and Justin made the comment that it's like common writer Ryuki, you know, because they apparently. They can traverse dimensions through mirrors, and like I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But that's kind of what that made me think of. So I guess like Hugaland is the equivalent of the the Ryuki dimension or whatever. You know, it's some other dimension they all live in. Common Rider Tuggins. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, they uh, uh, they they spin the sign. And they all go off on an adventure called the Road to Riches. That's that's the road. It's basically like the yellow brick road almost. I'm sorry, um, Tony. I was just like baby oil to the stage. Okay. This is this is tough. This is tough. <laughs> um, but the main character, I guess, I guess the matriarch of the group, Huggins. The, the, she's, she's the one who's got the most huggable name, I guess. She hears a voice, and it's Jesus. No, but uh, it's uh, it's this like ray of golden light behind her, but it's saying stuff like, no, "Smarty doesn't like it, and I don't either." You know, your first thought is, "What the hell is this?" But apparently, it's these little uh, rays of light are are almost like viewing viewing portals, and she spies it and sees a a boy on Earth named Homer. And he, he's he's having a, uh, a go at his mom because his dad's never home and they always move and he can't make friends. And Smarty doesn't like it either. I didn't know what the hell Smarty was. And I was like, oh, it's his little stupid owl toy. Okay, I got you. But she, she, she's a nice mom. She doesn't like beat his ass like she should. And she's like, you know, how about a hug? And he's all like, you know, typical kid. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah get off me. But yeah, yeah, here comes the weird mirror stuff. Like, Huggins just walks through the mirror, you know, I guess T-1000 style to the jail cell doors. <laughs> and I would, I would imagine it would be about as frightening. He's like, you know, who the hell are you? You know, and she, she's like, before she walks in, she says, yeah, they are the best. And he's like, what? Who are you? What is the best? And she's like, a hug. And she just hugs him right out of the gate. I would need an adult at that moment. I would just be like, the fuck is going on? This this thing is hugging me. I'm scared. But he, he like, you know kind of rants for a minute but she's like you know hey you we'll just have to make you more friends and faster follow me so she kidnaps him i mean literally back to Huggaland, and she's like you can meet all my friends they were on an adventure earlier they were this they went this way so they go down the road to rituals and they're they're picking up uh gold coins and homer being a human is kind of like you know like you know Money, 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 money. You know, he's like, I, I want money. And he, he has a good reason, though. He thinks if he has enough money, his dad can quit his job and he can stay home because this is a pure comic book. He doesn't want to buy, you know, porn or anything like that. Now when he can get hugged, you know, a vast. I mean, you're going to hear that a lot in this comic. I mean, I mean, I'm sure if you gave Tuggins enough gold coins, something could be worked out. 
could reach an agreement. Uh, uh, but yeah, uh, Avast, they, they run afoul of the ever so, like, trying to think of the proper word, the uh, cleverly named Captain Snake. He is a pirate, and it's his gold. And he he takes the kid Homer and and Huggins. And they, I think her little kids, her little, the little baby doll she has like is like Hugsy or something like that. Uh, Hugabye is the little Hug-a-bye. baby's name. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Jesus. He takes him to his ship, and he's he's. It's revealed that he's already abducted the other Hugabunch kids, and it, in a kind of funny. This was actually kind of funny in a way. I will give credit to this. They like board the ship. And they're like, you know, and I've got the rest of your, you know, little friends, and they're doing all the chores on the ship. And they're like getting down with it. They're like, you know, we're scrubbing the shit out of this day, man. Look how cool it looks, you know? It's like anything could be fun. And I'm just like, okay, that's kind of funny, you know? It's like you would think they'd be like, oh no, the pirate captain is so evil and mean. And they're just like, do do do, this thing looks cool now. It's like all clean. It's like adventure servitude is fun. <laughs> it's right. Oh, I can't wait for scurvy. So. The, the captain is starting to get more annoyed because he doesn't want fun on his ship. Pirate in his serious business, goes. But they, they, they spot a ship off the port bow. I don't know if it's the port bow or not. I'm just going by old pirate names. And they uh, decide to loot it, as you do if you're a pirate. And, and Homer, for some reason, like, you know, decides to, you know, nut up and be like, you know, a man or some shit. He starts sword fighting and, like, trying to be a hero. And the captain's like, you know, no time for that. You know, we've got to go steal the, the swag off this ship. So he swings across. He's like, I don't like this. I don't want to be a pirate. And they go across and they run into three people, basically a king and a queen who very obviously look like a king and a queen and a little girl. And it's like, give us all your money. And he's like, we only have one thing of value on our ship. And, and, and it's her, the princess, the princess. The, uh, the evil Captain Snake wants to abduct her for a, a king's ransom, har har. And because it literally would be a king's ransom, but Homer is having none of it, you know, and he finds the girl pretty because, yeah, we don't need anything else to make it more awkward or uncomfortable. He is like straight up hitting on her. Well, they're they're about the same age range. I mean, it works. No, I mean, it could be considered cute, but he does lay it on a little thick. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, puppy love, if you will. Well, I mean, she 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 does say he's the first handsome young man that she's ever met too so she's oh, no. it's not it's not like she's unreceptive to the uh to the compliment now she's down the clown yeah she's she's she's, she's <laughs> like now this this boy ain't too bad considering all people we've seen as pirates and her parents i would imagine so but he tries to be super heroic and all that stuff and he is not a swordsman though he, he just knows how to say the word avast from pirate books he read. Well, if, if one if there's one thing this comic book teaches you, it's it's the use of and what the word avast means. If you if if a young person did not know what the word avast meant by the end of this, you should be able to give a you know an essay dissertation on the word avast. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should be able to use it in your everyday speech, just just like drop of a hat. Like, Avast, the mailman, come here. However, the princess doesn't have such trouble because she is a champion fencer. And the pirates are not ready for this. And hey, there, there, there again, there's these little things that I see in comics that make me say, fuck you, normal, like, modern society. Oh, all girls have always been, like, you know, princesses in distress and stuff. 
1980 something. You got a little cute princess girl in a cartoon comic book who's a fencer fighting pirates. So go fuck yourself. So she saves his ass, and the pirates are kind of scared. <laughs> it's kind of funny because they go down like this hole in the pirate ship, and you just occasionally hear from them because this is where the princess, whose name is Princess Princess, by the way, because again we were really working on those names here. But like, yeah, this is their moment to to like kind of. It, it, this is not creepy. This is this is them sharing how their lives are like. Homer's like, you know, my dad has always gone on business and stuff, and she's like, well, my dad says I can only marry a prince, but it's his job. He's the king, and like they're like, hey, you know, not only are we like, you know, like you're cute, and you're cute, but it's actually like, hey, we have something in common. That's kind of cool. And the whole time the pirates are in this like hole, like they're like, can we just steal some treasure, please, just a little bit, like you know, not not a lot. And they're like, man, they're ignoring us. <laughs> The, uh, the Hug-A-Bunch arrives, though. Hug Huggins has managed to to locate them. That There was probably a mirror somewhere on the pirate ship. No, no, we'll find out how they got there in a minute. And and all wacky hijinks start to ensue, and they, they try to get away. But but here comes, what's the stupid thing's name? Soft whatever? Soft stuff. Soft stuff. Soft stuff is like the, if your the grandma's whale or whatever. Grew up over a whale, yeah. Yeah, it's like the flower child whale of the seven seas or something. I remember when I saw the panel where they, they, they showed her. And obviously it's a toy. As you know, there's probably a soft stuff pillow or whatever. And I was I was really like, oh my god, what nightmare is that? <sighs> if, if I saw that in real life, I would be like, oh Jesus, fuck, fuck Cthulhu. I don't want to fuck with that thing. Dude, it's like, it's like if Moby Dick went to Woodstock or something. That's right. what soft stuff is like. Exactly. It's, just, it's, it's your worst hippie nightmare. <laughs> Giant fucking whale with like flowers paint all over it. They they try to commandeer the whale to get away, the 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 evil pirates. But uh, soft stuff ain't having none of that, yo. So she zips and stops real quick. Then the pirates go in the water. But oh no, like. Now the pirates are in trouble because it's it's an octopus. Surprise, motherfucker! And the octopus is like black and like like blue highlights and green eyes. And the the pirates are scared as shit. They're like, you know, it's like a vast, you know, it's like and he's like, it's not a vast, it's a sea monster. He's like, no, it's an octopus. But no, don't worry, it's a hugtopus. And she, it's a she. Just waits in the water for people to swim by and gives them a big hug. Surprise, motherfucker! The fuck is going on? <laughs> this this pretty much like you know starts to wrap up our pirate adventure because the the golden light shines behind Homer and he hears his mom and he's like, oh, I gotta get home or I'll be in trouble. My mom hates not know where I'm at. Which again, you know, hey, that's that's good parenting. You should know where your kids are. The princess and and Homer have a you know sweet goodbye. She gives him a letter. Ooh. And, uh, you know, they, they say their farewells and Huggins says, you know, like, you know, bye, Homer, you know, like, we, we you know, glad you, you had fun and made new friends, you know, and he learned a lesson. He can make friends easy. So he goes back to home. He apologizes to his mom and tell, tells her that, like, you know, dad's not so bad after all, you know, like tell him that he's the king and that's how, it, how like it should be. And, you know, I'm sure his mom is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to tell him he's the king. That's going to fucking be great. Oh, <laughs> He'll bring that up whenever I fuck up. Who's like, hey, I'm the king. Uh, but uh, he, he he does feel a little sad because he, he won't ever see Princess again. But wait, he's got to go to school. And who's knocking on his door? A girl, a blonde girl who looks just like Princess. But what? She is just a normal Earth girl. 
Uh, her name is Diana, I believe, or Diane. Yeah, Diana. She she she's more you know like a normal kid. She's not like a princess, obviously. She's like you know wants to walk to school with Homer, and he's like you know does anybody ever call you princess? Which that's pretty forward. And I'm like you know like even for an adult, you know that's like walking to a girl being like you know does anybody ever call you princess? But of course it's a kids comic, and he's like she's like Teehee, my dad calls me that, and the note flies out and. You know, he reads it, and he's like, oh, it really was real. And it's a treasure map. But what? <laughs> so I guess there's treasure on Earth. And they run off, and they're like, we're going to have an adventure after school. Yay. And like, he's like, come along, princess. And she's like, teehee, only my dad calls me that. You're not my dad. And I'm like, okay, that could be taken in so many bad ways. But there's the end. It, it's, uh, it's a kid-friendly comic, very kid-friendly. I would say this is below G-rated. This is like double G for good God how wholesome. But yeah, it, it, it was it was interesting. What did you think? <laughs> well, I I didn't really know much about this other than we were looking at Star Comics one day, you know, one night, and I was kind of like, oh, what the hell's Hug a Bunch? And it looked ridiculous. So so that was the thing I had set on because we were like, you know, trying to you know screw each other over with these star dares or whatever. And I mean, okay. First of all, like it's it, okay, so it's it's a line of dolls that look kind of creepy, and the dolls themselves, and especially like I, I haven't even really got into this yet, but there's a movie, like there's a movie of Hug a Bunch with the dolls, and like yeah, you threatened me with this last night. <laughs> all all I can say is like I, I had to look this up real quick, but. You know, there's a comedian named Jeff Dunham, and he always does, like, his stand-up with puppets and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's like, one with uh, Peanut, right? Right, right. And there's there's one with, like, the little ugly Jeff, where he's got, like, a little troll hairdo or whatever, and it's, like, this kind of creepy, big-eyed doll with these, like, huge red lips and everything, and he's, like, a purple little guy or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I kind of feel like the Hug-A-Bunch designs like kind of look creepy like that stand-up comic doll looks creepy or like you know like that that kind of notion it's like it's like the dolls that like you know ventriloquists use or something like they have that that weird creep factor of like they're, they're supposed to be cute but they're not when you hug them when you squeeze them when your hugs alone can please them you feel the love of the hug a bunch they're not it's like it's like you know it's like the the you know the the dolls from you know the the um twilight zone or whatever you know like <laughs> you made me what i am today you put words in my mouth you know and so like they're they're kind of they're kind of creepy to begin with right like and then the other thing that's that's you know and then and then uh, of course the fact that like they can traverse through mirrors which is kind of like what and like the thing that's interesting about this is you do spend an awful lot of time with homer who by the way has a 
sweatshirt that has an H on the chest, so you know who the fuck Homer is, right? Because you were going to forget if you didn't see that gigantic H or whatever. And I thought, since they were, like, setting up Homer so much, like, I thought... I think that was for him, so he would forget who he was. He was, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought, I just thought, like, oh, well, they spent all this time with Homer and then the princess, and the princess turns out to be Diana in the real world, and I thought there was going to be, like, more to that, like, that they were going to spend time with these characters moving forward, but it seems like the modus operandi for the Hug-A-Bunch is, like, once they fix, or quote-unquote fix the problem, like, like once Homer gets over the fact that his dad is, you know, moving around and it's not easy for him to make friends, like, once he's made that friend in Diana, it's like the, the Hug-A-Bunch crew are kind of like, all right, our work here is done. And they never show up ever again in the person's life. So it's like, there are six issues of this star hug a bunch thing. Like you never see Homer ever again after it. And like the movie like has a totally different set of like, you know, a, a girl and a boy that they sort of help out or whatever. So it's like, they're kind of like supposed to be these little, I don't know, huggy do-gooders that run around and like help people deal with like emotional turmoil in their lives by like, I don't know, offering them hugs and, potentially taking them on, you know, Sid and Marty Croft psychedelic adventures and hug a land or what, you know what I mean? A lot of balls though by the creators are like, okay, we want to do an anthology series about hugging. Yeah. I, I, well, I don't know. (laughs) And then the the other thing that, that like about this particular issue that I thought was interesting was like, you know, in most stories, like if Homer had made, you know, advances to the princess and the princess was like hey you're kind of handsome too like it's funny because for that one moment they actually deal with the reality of the situation that she's a princess and he's just a commoner so he's like he even says in the one page he's like i don't suppose a real princess could really be interested in a boy whose father moves a lot because his mean old company sends him to different places to live and she straight up like shuts his ass down and was like no exclamation mark and she's got like a little sad look on her face when she says it but it's like straight up no like my father will insist that i become engaged to a prince you know i.e you're not a prince my father's just like your father you know he has to do what he has to do but i'll remember you always homer and here's you know here's the treasure map give me a hug and it's like the hug a bunch take that as a win like they exchanged hugs hooray like that that's a win but it's like, in reality, I'm kind of like, oh, you know, they could have actually been happy together, and they don't know that there's going to be a, you know, like a, a counterpart to Princess Princess yeah. on Earth. Like, like this is just kind of almost like a tragic star-crossed lovers thing, but instead of doing a Romeo and Juliet thing, it's just like they're kind of resigned to, like, my father sucks, and your father sucks, and because of that, we can never be together. Now give me a hug. And the and and fucking hug. What, what's her face? Huggins is like, hooray! And it's just like, yeah, is it really a hooray? So did. Is it is it really a hooray, Huggins? Like he totally got shut down. Like I don't know that that's a hooray. Like I'm not sure that that qualifies as a hooray. It's like if the hug is. It's like I think I think what it is about the hug a bunch is they don't know the difference between like like hugs for show and like like genuine like heartfelt hugs. It's like it's like you you love your your family, you love your mom and dad, you know, it's like a heartfelt hug, you know, I don't know, you love your brother and sister, whatever, you know, you give them a heartfelt hug, but this is more like, 
oh, well, you know, see you next week, Steve. It was a really good party. And then they don't actually want to touch, and they just, like, pat you on the back. But I, I feel like the hug a bunch would be like, hooray, you got hugged. And I'm just kind of like, I don't I don't think that qualifies as a yeah. hooray. Yeah, know? like the, the, the side hug, you know, just like that. All right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't think that quite qualifies. Yeah, and we, well, not only that, but you know, if if you do a little bit of a deep dive into it, it's like his whole thing is he meets people and he has to leave them immediately. And I'm like, he's doing that right now. Yeah, he's just, he's just, you know, he's repeating the cycle essentially, right? Like, yeah, I was like, how is like, this supposed to make him happy? <laughs> I guess, I guess, as long as he keeps meeting new people and keeps going through the cycle of life, then I guess it's a win. Like, I don't know. So basically what the hug a bunch said was, all right, Homer, it's okay to have temporary relationships as long as you just have a whole lot of them. Yeah, just just keep making them. And 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 if you get a hug out of the whole deal, it's a win. <laughs> You're gold. Last your relationships are for chumps. <laughs> the, the only other thing, I mean, I tried to do a little more research on this, and that's how I stumbled upon the fact that there's like a hug a bunch movie. I... I've, I've sort of been pushing. I mean, maybe me and Tony will just do it on our own or something, but we'll see if we can get anybody else involved. But I, I kind of want to do the Hug a Bunch movie as like a Blue Cupcakes thing because it's so, like, it's such a weird little thing. Yeah. And then the the only other thing that I noticed was there's a website on Kubert School alumni, and she didn't do the art in the issue we're talking about, but I think she did do the art in like the second and third issue of hug a bunch. There's an illustrator named Anna Marie cool. And like, there is a little bit of information about like hug a bunch there. And so I was kind of like, Oh, okay. Like that's kind of interesting to hear because, because they're interviewing them. And so the, the simple, you know, I'll just read some of this just in reference to hug a bunch. And they're like, okay, hug a bunch for Marvel's Star Comics line. Like, how did that happen? And the the artist... I know they're the, you know, the, right? The, the follow-up issues. I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, she says, the late, great Stan Kay, that, that was the guy who wrote the scripts for these, who taught the humor and panel cartooning class at the Kubert School, also wrote scripts for Star Comics. He put in a good word for me with his editor, Sid Jacobson, that I had the ability to quote-unquote draw cute. By the time I'd taken the Hallmark job and moved to Kansas City, which just happened to be the Hug a Bunch licensor. Oh, okay, you're right. So, so yeah, the Hallmark apparently licensed Hug a Bunch, I guess. I was slated to pencil my first professional comics job. The Hallmark artist who designed the Hug a Bunch called them, quote unquote, breadheads and gave me a few pointers. The bunch were odd little characters, but the stories were enjoyable. There were supporting characters I could design myself, and it was a foot in the door at Marvel. Later, I was told that Marie Severin, my hero, colored my issues and admired my work. Unfortunately, I was just getting started at Hallmark, which was demanding, and so I only drew a couple issues of the comic. I will always be grateful to Stan Kay for that recommendation. So... Uh, you know, and, and you know, they they talk with her more about like all her work in that interview. But I just wanted to like isolate just the the, the hug a bunch thing to maybe give some some background on yeah that kind of stuff. But Did you think, I mean, you think when they said odd looking characters with just merchandising speed for yeah, we know they're ugly and kind of creepy. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think so. I I think that is the 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 kind of you know uh, what would you call it like like promotional you know like like the PR version of of that they're creepy and 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 ugly figures or whatever yeah. you know like so because you can't call your toy that but like you know if you're aware of it you know? <laughs> yeah right they're 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 little oddities I guess yeah I I don't know that much about them either I can say I remember like maybe some uh, commercials in the eighties for them. And yeah, the, the the whole concept was like the comic. If you hug, you're good. You're golden. Your life's great. You know, go hug strangers. See how that works out for you. It's just go to a gas station or, or, or Walmart and just start randomly hugging people. It's going to work out fine. I guarantee it. Well, I mean, I've seen some YouTube videos of that, that, maybe proves the hug lunch right but I, I don't think it always works out that way so no i'm being sarcastic I, i'm sure there'll be a couple of people who would actually be like you know oh i got a hug and then there'll be at least one person like get the fuck off me <laughs> right 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 but i mean you know I, I i don't know like the the issue itself is not i mean you know for what it is it's supposed to be a no it's not a children's tie-in comic i mean i guess you know it's like it's it's not like it's nonsensical you can you can understand what's going on in the story and everything i i I did feel like because i know you asked me what i thought of it and i did feel like it was it was surprising to me that they spent so much time on homer but homer never you know appears again ever you know like so i just thought that was kind of interesting like i wonder if for some reason it was more popular and it had gone on would they have gone back to revisit the same characters you know just to check in on them or you know maybe you know it's like i don't know the hug a bunch of the solid because somebody else isn't getting a hug and then they look up homer to help them get the new kid a hug or something like i wonder if stuff like that ever would have happened or if they were constantly thinking okay we're on we're on the move it's always got to be a new kid every issue that's getting like hooked up by the hug a bunch essentially like, all right, this kid's good. We got to move on, guys. Got a lot of hugs to give. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I agree. It, it's totally harmless. This this is definitely a comic that if I had kids, I don't have any kids myself. But if you have kids and they're like five and under, and they they're they're pretty good with reading and they they enjoy books and stuff like this, this would totally be something that would be inoffensive and yeah, it, it's not even it's not even going to be it's not even going to make them stupid. It's not like a it's not an insulting comic. I'll say that. I didn't find it insulting to a kid. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think they, I don't think the comic talked down to anybody. They just, you know, like, like we said, there, there's maybe an irrational kind of obsession with the hug as the end goal that will, you know, be the end all be all of, of solving people's problems. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, if only, you know, you're like, <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking of ridiculous shit. Where it's like, oh my know, god, oh, I just oh. shot my best friend in a hunting accident. Someone would just give me a hug. Yeah, then everything will work out just fine. <laughs> it's like if only if only Luke and Vader had a good hug, you know, like things like that. Then it, then it would be okay. You know, Optimus and Megatron just need to hug it out. You know, like all that shit. So, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's it, you know, it's what it is, and and it, it, it I, I guess it's well intentioned, and it doesn't uh. You know, like you said, it's not it's not exactly talking down to young children. So, I mean, if that was somebody's jam back in the day and they they enjoyed reading Hug a Bunch, so be it. And and as far as the the material itself, as it's packaged and executed, I mean, I'd say it's 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 probably more than competent. You know, like you like 
you know, you can make out what's going on in the storytelling and everything like that, even if it is a, you know, cute, quote unquote, you know, cartoony kind of style, you know, it, it works. And that's, I mean, that's basically all I have on, on Hug a Bunch from Star Comics. Like, I don't, I don't know that I'd go out of my way to recommend it to anybody like that. Oh, like, you know, you must read Hug a Bunch. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know. Yeah, if, if you're in a comic book store and like your kid brings it up to you, though, yeah, you're fine. You need to totally let them let them buy Hug a Bunch for fifty cents. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I, mean, I was just thinking of like Indiana Jones going up to like Nazis and hugging him, and then being like, "Oh, that's all I needed." All right, call out the Holocaust. We're good. <laughs> We're good. We got our hugs. And then like Huggins is the back. Yes, yes. <laughs> I saved the Jews. <laughs> Well, it doesn't matter. Like, see, that, that I think that's the problem with the hug a bunch is I think as long as as long as everybody got hugs, even if the Holocaust were to continue, I have the sneaking suspicion that Huggins would still be like, yes, for the hugs, but would not would not deal with the further consequences of what occurs after that. You know, like like the, there's there's other things that need to be addressed. You know, like, like, like other Indian, Indian injustices. There are other injustices that are going to be perpetrated that should probably be stopped before you give the victory like fist pump or whatever but like huggins is just like once that hug happens it's like fist pump that's it we're done we're out like mission 17 percent accomplished yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like oh well cool galactus got his hug but wait he's gonna eat earth now it's like you can't fist pump yet you know like we got we got other stuff to work on you know? oh man <laughs> I mean, uh, like the codeine like hugs talk <laughs> I give you a hug he's like yeah but I still killed your family but I hugged you <laughs> Huggins is in the back yes yeah. alright alright yeah yeah we, got, right. we, can, we can do this all night yeah. have you checked out quadmproductions.com lately QuadMProductions.com is your direct access hookup to order Enigma the comic book series and download the QuadM podcast. Check the appearances page for upcoming events and contact us with questions or comments. Don't be the only lonely soul who's missing out on all the fun. Visit us today at QuadMProductions.com. That's QuadMProductions.com. All right, so let's let's go on to the 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 other book. The other book that that Tony brought that he dared me to read, which was something I had never heard of before, is a title called Animax. And Animax again was a, you know, star imprint from Marvel. The cover date was December 1986. The actual on-sale date was September 1986. It had a whopping cover price of 75 cents. The title of the first issue is called Days of Wrath, and as Tony kind of intimated earlier, there are some creators that you may recognize the the talent of on this title. The writer is, I was kind of surprised by this, the writer is Walt Simonson for Animax, which I was like, really? The artist, the penciler, is Steve Purcell. And I'm trying to think of, like, what else. Like, he did things for, like, do you remember that Defenders of Dinatron City yeah, yeah. cartoon? He did, he did like, the, the comic book version of it for Marvel. So, like, and, you know, it, it looks like he's got a couple issues here and there of, like, 
you know, some Marvel titles, you know, like New Mutants, Alpha Flight, you know, things like that. Sam and Max, there's there's stuff like that that he worked on. The inker is Jerry Talok. The letterer is Rick L. Parker. And the colorist is Petra Scortese Goldberg. And I, you know, did not pre-prepare a synopsis for this, but we're just going to kind of go through it. And essentially, it kind of starts, like, it, it feels like, I mean, very in medias reus. You've got the, the days of Animax, and I guess the motor mutants, who, if you look at the, the toy synopses, it's like apparently they were called the carnivores, because they all, like, rode around in these cars and stuff. It looks like the motor mutants have totally defeated our hero, who we've never really met, named Max Action and it's like he's kind of you know hunched over like he's in immense pain or whatever and it kind of opens with the villains of the piece these motor mutants like hovering over his dead body and then the leader of the motor mutants is kind of a I don't know Red Skull Skeletor-ish looking gentleman named Extinctor I, I, st- I still go with Judge Death I don't know why no, Judge Death, that works too. Yeah, he. Well, I guess it'd be like the Red Skull dressed up as Judge Death or something like that. Yeah. Right. Co- Red, Red Red Skull cosplaying as Judge Death. Yeah, it's, it's just the helmet and how skinny he is. Yeah. 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 So so then you know the the motor mutants see off in the horizon that you know the the Animax are coming to help their leader, and so you know. Extinctor is kind of like, don't worry about this. We, you know, we've killed Max Action. Like he's gonna die. So who cares about the rest of these guys? We're gonna, we're gonna take off. And so then you've got, ironically, Rhinox shows up on the scene, not, not to be confused with the Beast Wars Rhinox. I, I found that really funny. I was like, is this where they got that from? <laughs> yeah. So he's he's one of the Animax that's like kind of, you know, going after these Motor Mutants and everything. And then. I guess you've got, like, the right-hand man to Max Action coming across his leader's body. His name is Tiger Tracker. And so even the, I guess, Max Action's, I don't know, steed maybe is the right word, but it's, you know, it's this kind of lion that's on wheels or whatever. Chariot? And, yeah, chariot maybe. Yeah, that's probably a good way to put it. So his chariot's name is Jungle Max, but Jungle Max is kind of growling because he's not sure, like, who's on... Max Action's side or not, and and then you know they, they can kind of tell he's he's per, pretty bad and everything, and and they're having this kind of, I mean I almost wondered like I mean he literally like dies in front of all of them, so at this point I was like wow this is how this starts like I kind of wondered if somehow the Max Action I don't know outfit or you know even his chariot would just get passed on to another one of these guys and they kind of like be the new max action or something and because i was like i wonder how they're going to get out of this they just killed their lead character who you barely know yeah so they're going to take him down to i guess peopleopolis which i guess is not so ironically named because it's filled with people i don't know anyway so so they they you know are basically taking his his dead body back in the rain to peopleopolis and meanwhile You've got all the carnivores, you know, these motor mutants, like, celebrating the, the death of Max Action. And then, I guess, Road Punt and his Path Piggy are ordered by Extinctor 
to go back to the night side of the Earth and get all the other motor mutants so they can attack the quote-unquote light side where Peopleopolis resides and everything. And then we cut back to, I guess, you know, it, it's very, you know, sort of, I don't know, Death of Superman type thing. You know, they're, they're going to have these, you know, grandiose funerals for Max Action. Here you meet the Madam Caretaker and her daughter, I think who is named Heater, I, I guess. Her name is Heater uh, Divine, I think. Okay. So, they, you know, and, and, and I guess, you know, they're, they're, the body is handed over to them, the, the Madam Caretaker and her daughter. And then they all sit down to have this council of war. And they're, they're kind of trying to decide who's going to lead. You know, Rhinox kind of tries to step up and says, nobody's better at fighting than I am. I can be the leader. And then other people kind of go, well, I think Tiger Tracker was, you know, second, you know, second in command like maybe he should be the the next guy to lead us and everything and then i guess the madam caretaker and the daughter like have this notion of i guess this is how they're going to get themselves out of this jam is they actually clone max action like a new body that is not injured and then i guess the notion is they need to transfer his brain patterns into the clone to complete the process but before that can finish you've got all the the carnivores these motor mutants like creeping up on peopleopolis just like extinct or had planned they end up killing a bunch of security guards and it looks like they're going to interrupt the transfer process of the brain patterns to this new clone body. Yeah, but originally, originally they just want to steal the body as a trophy, yeah. Yeah, and so then they invite Tiger Tracks to see what, what's going on or whatever, right? Like, and, and so he's in the middle of this firefight, and then it looks like they're going to capture the young lady Heater, and out of nowhere, it looks like the transfer process for Max Action is completed, he basically unloads on these guys, you know, he starts kicking them in the jaw and punching them in the face and everything, and he ends up doing this kind of super cool ricochet blast that kills the guy that's holding the young lady Heater. Heater Delight is her name. Yeah. Okay. And there's some question as to if it's the real Max Action or not. In the meantime, it looks like Aunt May's finally had that final fatal heart attack, or I mean the Madam, you know, Madam <laughs> Chancellor or whatever her name is. I know, like I was thinking Aunt May the whole time too, don't feel bad. Yeah, she she's finally croaked, and it looks like Heater Delight's going to take over her role or whatever, probably hook up with Max Action at some point, but, you know... She, she's basically passing on her last words of wisdom to, to prove this clone is the real deal. You know, they need to have him sit down with his chariot, his steed, Jungle Max, and then he would basically put the seal of approval on, on the clone, essentially, and everything. And then they've got a bunch of early warning sensors going off, and they can all see that from the outside there are the motor mutants attacking the castle at Peopleopolis. It looks like Max Action and Tiger are gonna go off to to sort of, uh, I guess, get catapulted away from the attacking forces and make a break for it to try and, I guess, get AIDS or, or aid or something for Peopleopolis. Go get AIDS. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then, you know, and then it kind of ends on a 
climactic thing of, of Extinctor with all his, his carnivores, you know, riding their chariots, like, you know, encroaching on Peopleopolis, and that they're going to totally destroy the light side and start the siege of Peopleopolis. And that's kind of how it ends. And, I don't know, it, 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 I guess just taken on its own, like, I mean, it's, like, essentially, like, from what I can tell, like, and before I get too deep into it, if you want to know the history of Animax, I mean, I'll, we'll go through a brief thing, but Animax was essentially a toy line that, like, premiered at one of these toy fairs in 1986, and, like, it was part of a, I'm trying to think, it's like eventually it was sold to Tyco, and then I guess Tyco just kind of crappily released them or whatever. But I think originally it was supposed to be part of a separate company, which got bought out by Tyco. And if you want to see, like, some great stuff, like, you know how Danja has that one site on, like, Visionaries or whatever? Or at least there, there's that one, maybe it's not Danja who has it, but it's, like, one of those guys that was, like, fan of Visionaries, and he set up a nice website, like, detailing all the toys and the character art and all this other stuff. If anybody's interested in the history of Animax in more detail than we're going to go into here and just loves looking at, like, a really excellently made website, if you go to Mel Burn Krant, dot com slash animax that's a m e l b i r n k r a n t dot com slash animax there's all kinds of cool stuff like there's photos there's stuff from toy fair where the guys are like dressed up as max action and extinctor there's like comic books that were never published, which I imagine were supposed to probably come with the toys like He-Man to set stuff up. I mean, maybe that's why this, this you know, Marvel Star comic was sort of in medias reus. They expected everybody to have read those those little, you know, pack-in comics I or something that were never released. It was a really big deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there was supposed to be a cartoon. There was supposed to be all kinds of stuff. It seemed like, because of that, originally this was going to be a Marvel comic. But I think somewhere along the way, they decided to make it less serious, and it kind of turned into a a star imprint comic. So it kind of, I guess, once the toys... I guess the, the other thing that they mentioned is that by the time this was released in the stands, the toy line had already kind of died and been put on clearance and sent out to pasture. So not only was there no cartoon tie-in, but there wasn't anything... You know, th- this was the last hurrah of these Animax properties and everything. And I, I was trying to, ex- you know, describe to you, Tony, what I thought they looked like. Like, I kind of thought they were like the, the chariots and everything. I, it reminded me of Battle Beasts. But it was kind of like if if characters from Mask were driving Battle Beasts. You know, yeah. like that's kind of like what stuff. they look like to me. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, I, I could see if you're a kid getting into this. But I, I got to admit, like, I... I I guess it either went past me or whatever. I mean, it's not, you know, 1986 is not something where I was too old for toys or anything, but I don't, I really honestly, I don't remember this comic. I don't remember the toys. And uh, since there was no cartoon, maybe that's why it never really just, touched It just wasn't me, a blip on your radar, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I never really knew too much about it. But, I mean, it's, you know... For what it is, which is a licensed star comic, I mean, it's surprisingly 
mature i thought you know it opens with yeah. the death of a lead character like I, I thought that was a little random though too because it's like well you open on the first page with the death of a character it's like well i don't even care about this character like i don't know like i, I don't know how that would play it's kind of like it's kind of like starting the story of superman with issue 76 just after doomsday's killed him you know like it's kind of like a, a weird starting point you know like if if, if you've never you know, if there's nothing else to read, like, can you imagine, like, if there was, it's like, or, or like, what if there was, if issue one of Transformers was actually issue, the end of issue 24? Yeah. Where Prime, like, blows himself up, you know, because of the video game and the Ethan Zachary stuff. It's like, it's like, it's kind of a weird spot to. What, to what, yeah, what if they started Iron Man, like, balls deep into the alcohol alcoholism saga, you know? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, why do I care about this guy? He's a drunk, and he doesn't. Or, or, or even, even, what if they started it on, you know, where they did the the heart failure and he gets shot in the spine and he dies? Like, what if they, you know, that it's just kind of weird. It's like, well, you didn't ha- have any time to become familiar with, much less care about the character. Yeah, the captain, so it's the, like the, the trial of Captain America where he gets shot at the end of the issue, and it's just like, here you go. Yeah. So that that is a little weird. The other thing is it seemed like they they tried to release these comics and it's hard to explain, but from what I can gather, it seemed like this was intended to be the first issue always, but there were certain artistic changes like if you if you go to that website I talked about yeah, you showed me the covers, yeah. Line art and, and ink art where the covers are slightly different. They're a little more adult. There's, like, more skulls behind Extinctor's Chariot and things that look a little more, you know, detailed and or realistic or creepy or whatever. And, like, I, you, you kind of start to wonder, like, you know, there, there, there seem to be sequence issues. Like, the end of this ends on a cliffhanger, this first issue, but the second issue doesn't really open on the Siege of Peopleopolis. It's like, it opens on something else, and then the the way that was explained to me was, well, the second issue was really the third issue. And I'm kind of like, well, what happened to the second issue? Well, that's the fourth issue. You know, it's oh, just so like, they firefly it. Yeah, they, they, they released it all sort of out of sequence. And even if I tried to jump ahead from the first issue to, like, the third or fourth issue, like, I still don't feel like it picks up on the siege of Peopleopolis. It feels like all of those open, I, I guess your 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 excuses, it seems like all those open, like, you know, hours and or days after the event of the climax. And it's kind of like, but you never... It's like you never concluded and or continued from where you left off. Like, you don't really get a resolution. You just get told what happened. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, either that or it's like it seems like some separate instance of the 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 carnivores attacking Peopleopolis. So, I mean, that, that I found a little weird, you know, like in terms of logic and stuff. You know, I don't really understand so I, I will say though as opposed to Hugabods, which as you stated pretty succinctly it had a very simple idea you get hugs life is good animax has got the i mean the first issue at least i haven't read any of the other ones but even if you are a little if you take a weird look at the lore because they do try to put a lot in this first issue like, but they they were working on something. 
Like they they yeah. had a plan, you know. I mean, you know, I, I think they're valid comparisons. I mean, this reminds me of stuff like the Visionaries. You know, like like I don't I don't think it's all that far removed. You know, it's there's there's a element of sort of mid medieval kind of you know stuff that that is going on in this with like castles and you know there's there's an aspect of fantasy to it you know but then there's also kind of uh, you know that weird like man notion of like yeah like more like a uh you know how he man's like a barbarian but with future tech and it's like it seems the same way they're in castles but yet they're they've got these these motorized kind of anamorphic you know i don't know if they're alive or not like they seem I to have they are they, they they seem to have personalities you know like the the lion seems to be upset and angry and things like, like that cyborgs, though, i guess yeah uh, yeah i don't i don't really know the science of it obviously but me either you know that but there 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 definitely seems to be elements of of science fiction and fantasy combined in this intended world that they're building and and it seems to me like if if they if they had had a cartoon to to help hawk all the stuff it might have done better i mean there is some criticism in terms of i guess the toy line looked better at toy fair maybe than it did once it got released by tyco as an afterthought well i remember one night i showed you and just did a scan of like a catalog scan and i don't know how the toys looked in real life i don't think i ever saw them in real life but uh, the catalog scans look amazing. They look great. Yeah, as far as I know, the the scans and those things at Toy Fair looked a lot better than the actual end product, which supposedly contributed to the comics' early demise. Uh, never mind, you know, not having an animated show to sort of sell the product to and everything. So I, I think I think that was its main drawback. Yeah, and, and this, that was the 80s where you had to be on top of your game to get anywhere. I mean, that was, that was the age of toys. I mean, I feel like this would be something like a great interview question for Walt Simonson as something he probably never gets asked. Like, it's like, how did you end up doing this? And right. they made it sound like, like he was really passionate about the project and coming up with the the idea that the lead character would die and then come back as a clone and all this other stuff. But I mean, I would kind of like to hear it from the horse's mouth. Like, was this just a licensed tie in comic that you worked on for a paycheck or was this something you really thought had legs and was going to go somewhere? Cause it's the way they always make it sound like, Oh, if Marvel took on a licensed property comic, they, 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 they all thought it had legs, you know, they all thought they were all going somewhere, you know, but I mean, that could just be, more yeah. PR bullshit too. You know, I mean, right? like, like look at like the actual comics that Marvel made that were specifically toys. Like you have like Rom, GI Joe, Transformers, Micronauts, and all of those were much more mature. Yeah, and the yeah. Star imprint, of course, is the kids' imprint. You know, well, but like like you were saying, there's there's like those weird middle ground things where you could tell there were Marvel released toy tie-in comics that didn't necessarily tie into the Marvel universe, like some of those other things you mentioned, like Micronauts and ROM and early on, like Transformers, you know, things like that. Right. But I think like, I'm, I'm just trying to think like that defenders of Dinatron city tie in book. Like, I don't think that was a star comic. It was just a Marvel comic. And like the, um, 
uh, like the robotics comic book. Yeah. I don't think that was a star comic, you know, but it wasn't necessarily like, oh, the robotics are going to talk to Mr. Fantastic and, you know, sell pancakes with Spider-Man. Like, I don't think that was going to go down either. So Yeah, a, a lot of those toy comics, even though they were more mature, uh, Chris Star, Chris Star was one. And that had strong ties where you had like Nightcrawler guest starring and, you know, there's still characters that are considered part of the Marvel universe, right? And in, in, in even in more current day marvel well, comics I mean, well but, i mean micronauts uh, are too like technically like the micronauts that well yeah yeah that, that, that's what i mean the micronauts rom like all those things are still elements of that in marvel but animax i think was originally intended to be like one of those oh, yeah. but ended up being a star comic so i'm sure you're not going to see any trace of you know max action referenced in the marvel universe even though yeah. maybe that was the intent early on yeah you're not going to see uh, uh razorback you know what i'm talking about the space truck driver yes. Yeah, yep. you're not going to see him driving a lion chariot or anything, you know. It's like, I found this on an old planet. Uh, my friend Max gave it to me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. It was it was interesting, though. Was was the first issue, like, enough to whet your appetite that you wanted to see more? Because I was kind of interested. I mean, I kind of flipped through the other issues, i got to be honest. Like, But it was mainly out of curiosity. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel like the second issue picks up where the first issue left off. And I could just be that I wasn't reading it very well, or it was one of those story setups where they had a, a cold opening and then they got back to the siege later. But I mean, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Like it feels like the motor mutants modus operandi would always be to invade Peopleopolis, like like Heck, yeah. if it didn't if it didn't work the first time it's not like they were going to stop you know so like for all i know it's like that the, the second issue takes place like five months after the first issue even though they're still doing what they set out to do at the end of the and, and it seems like their issue. main thing is they have the numbers they there's like a lot of them so yeah yeah i mean you know and then and then and then like i said reading that kind of write-up that indicated like oh well you know whatever was written that was intended for the second issue got put in the third issue and that that those kind of stories were all hopelessly out of sequence like you know that that they got as you said firefly you know where you're like oh well that kind of explains maybe why that didn't take off too because there's not a whole lot that makes sense about those it is hard it's hard to get interested when you don't understand what the fuck's going on yeah yeah, yeah. It's like if it's hard to follow, then you know, like people. Yeah, you lose interest pretty quick. I, I, I do think it is like it is kind of funny that these two comics are very much a stark contrast to each other. It wasn't intentional because I never read Animax either. I, I didn't know if it was going to be like because like the He-Man comic was definitely meant to be a star comic from the get-go, and it, it was definitely more kid-friendly and I didn't know what Animax was going to be. And then you showed me that stuff last night, and I was like, oh. So this was supposed to be like, you know, not just a toy line thing, but like, like you were saying, like a Marvel comic thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, it seemed like, like that it had started out and they were going to brand it as just another Marvel comic, not, you know, something that was part of the, the star line. I think, I guess I'm just trying to figure this out, but like, it's like this came out in 1986, right? Like. It, that's almost like, and towards the tail end of 1986, like, I might say of my my comic reading career, like, as a young adult, like, that, it, it, it's kind of like how I feel about, like, Rom and the Micronauts, like, even though they were, re those were really popular with certain groups of people, 
you know, it's like, I think by the time I was reading comic books, those had been long canceled. And like, Animax is almost like those, except for it only ran for four issues and it's right on the cusp. Like, I, I mean, for me, I feel like the, the, the middle of 1987 and definitely like 1988, 1989 is really when my comic book, you know, collecting career really went into high gear. And I, I feel like this died just before that happened. So, so it's like, I, I mean, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to, for me to remember finding this on the stands. Cause by, you know, in 1986, I might not have even have been looking, you know, like, so, so to me, there's that aspect as well. And like, yeah. And, and I mean, as far as like being interested, like, yeah, I mean, like I, I did, I was kind of curious, like, okay, well, where's the siege, you know? And it's like, okay, well, I can tell they're still outside the the castle gates and everything, but it seems like this went off into like, you know, I don't know, the, the, the adventures of, uh, max action and tiger or whatever too. So I was like, uh, I'm not really sure if this really picks up where it supposedly left off from. And the fact that extinctor is going to try to keep doing this issue after issue. It's like, well, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's like, were they invading, uh, Peopleopolis? in the second issue, like, yes. And then like, I'm just trying to like double check it, but I was like, were they trying to invade it in the third issue? I'm like, I think the answer is yes. So it's like, it's hard to, yeah. But to is, is it like straight. an invasion or is it like the first issue where they say it's a siege? It's like, well, no, it seems like they're just attacking anew, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't seem like to necessarily have picked up from where it left off, you know, like, so I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, I, I the thing for me is, I mean, I I guess I think it would be fun if if Walt Simonson ever discussed like how much he got into this or why he got into it. If if there's truth to the notion that you know Walt was really excited about it, or if that's just you know a PR spin from these guys that wrote all these articles about Animax on that website. You know, I, I have no idea, but that that's something I'd be kind of curious about. And, and as far as the legs it had, well, obviously it didn't have very long legs because it only lasted the four issues before it was canceled, but without a, you know, a successful toy line and without a cartoon at all behind it. I mean, I guess you, you know, I, I don't know what you'd expect. I mean, even hug a bunch, had this, you know, the toy line obviously was doing okay, and they they made a apparently a, a million dollar movie out of it, you know. So it's like, oh, okay, well, I mean, it seems like Hug a Bunch had more media playtime than Animax. Yeah, know, it, it, had, I think the, it's like more along the lines of like it wasn't that Animax didn't have legs. I just don't think it ever actually truly got started. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair assessment that it it, it never. It, it, you can't find your your groove if you never really got going in the first place. Yeah, even like if we got like the first four issues of the Transformers limited series, but no cartoon. And I mean, I know it's ridiculous to think of this way, but like, what if GoBots had been the big thing and the Transformers line had come out even later than it did? Because it did come out after GoBots, but imagine there was like the comic, and then a year later, the toys. Yeah, and, and in those cases, you know, you're ending up referring to things like, you know, Mask or, you know. Yeah. Or, and I guess I guess years later, you know, things like Battle Beasts or whatever it is, right? So. Yeah, yeah, they, 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 had, they had potential. They just, the, 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 the way that things happened, it didn't work out for them, yeah. 
They just you, you know what else? Like this is totally. I just thought of it, but it's like I mean this this kind of has shades of like skeleton warriors too in a way, right? Yeah, like the, yeah. that that kind of you know, and there, there were comics for skeleton warriors, but it had a. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it successful, but it had a, it, you know, it had a cartoon that ran for at least a season, you know, and they had the toy lines and all that stuff. So it's like Animax is just something where the, the cartoon never get off the ground. So the, the other peripheral tie-in stuff, the toys and the, the comic book just didn't last very long. Yeah, and I remember like Skeleton Warriors, I predominantly, and I, I don't want to say only, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I only think I saw them at KB. Like they might have been at Toys R Us or or your local retail store, but I, I think the only time I saw Skeleton Warriors was at KB, and they were you know clearance. You know they're like mm. they're they're like ten dollar toys, and they're like five bucks. And I, I think that's what happened with these Animax toys. You know they were they were almost instantly on clearance because nobody knew what the hell they were, and apparently Tyco just didn't put as much quality control into them. You know in terms of I guess the paint and all these you know, photos you're talking about that we see at Toy Fair where you look at them and go, wow, these are really swanky little toys. But then I guess the actual product probably just wasn't, didn't have as much effort put into the production value. I, I will say one thing aesthetically, though. I, I, I like the basic costumes they have, like their they're kind of superhero suits because they, they do look kind of spandexy. Yeah, yeah. But, but the animal head masks are a little goofy. Yeah, it's funny how, how action mask or Action Max looks a lot better when he's not wearing his lion mane helmet. Yeah. Like, it's like, you get the vibe, like, they were supposed to, like, just sit around and and be helmetless on some of the, like, when they're having that war powwow council. Like, you, you get the vibe, what they were supposed to do is, like, Knights of the Round Table, they were supposed to take off their rhinoceros helmet and put it off to the side. So you yeah. could just see the guy in his outfit. But instead... I guess to tell these guys apart, he's wearing the rhino mask, and you're just like, Ugh. all right. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of like, why are you wearing a helmet when you're not even driving around in your, your yeah. I, I think organic the only two automobile? See, I think the only two we see without their masks are, are Max Action and Tiger Tracks. Because I think Tiger Tracks takes his off because he's like a white-haired older guy. Am I right? Uh, I don't know if he's white-haired. I thought he was kind of blonde, too. Oh, okay. But he does take off his helmet, though. Yeah, yeah, especially when they're in that that battle where he didn't bring his weapons and the yeah the motor mutants bust in on the the clone brainwave transfer or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, but yeah, as far as aesthetic, I can see how that might turn some people off because, like you know, with mask the the mobile arm strike man, like their helmets look cool. You know, you, you wanted to put this on, you know, or. Or like the visionaries, their helmets look pretty cool. You put those on, you're like, oh yeah, that looks like a knight. You put these on, it's like, eh, he looks kind of like a furry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they they could have done better on that, but again, the toys did look cool. The the vehicles really look cool, and also the uh, what's his name, uh, Extinctor. Yes, the action figure looked really suitably badass. Like, and I don't know if how he turned out if he was even released. Well, actually, that's a good that's a good note. Uh, apparently, on that site, you know, the line was canceled before they ever released Action Mass or Max or Extinctor. So that, that that's like imagine your line got canceled before you even got to release He Man and Skeletor. Right there, you go. <laughs> Yay! I have Transformers. Do you have Optimus Prime? No, he's not out yet. <laughs> it's like 
Psykill and Leader One didn't even get released. Yeah, yeah. It been like in the Star Wars early bird set, it's like Stormtrooper, R2D2, C3PO, Chewbacca, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Death Star Commando, or whatever he's called, the the Rebel Blockade Captain, and Uncle Owen. No Skywalker, no no Vader. <laughs> Have fun, kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kind of need the big guys. But, uh, yeah, I don't have too much more to say. I, I do think the no. art was really good, though. I thought the art was pretty pretty yeah. interesting, yeah. Yeah, I thought the art was fine. I mean, I, I do think if you look at that website that I mentioned earlier, you could see that the covers and some of the original art was a little more adult than what ended up being released. Like, they toned it down just a little bit, just ever so slightly. But yeah, I agree. The art, the art looked good. Uh, you know, even though I thought it was a little off-putting to open with the death of your main character. I mean, the writing was interesting. Like I, I could have seen it going somewhere, you know. But it, it just, I, it seemed like it just didn't have the legs. So, you know, and I'm not like, like, like we're saying, I'm not, uh, I'm not angry. I read it, you know. Like I, I, you know, I, I guess as a, a novelty or something of. Uh, historical interest in terms of you know the star imprint and marvel comics like yeah it's fun you know okay now now i know a little bit more about animax and what the hell that was all about you know this little blip in the the toy radar and stuff so uh, you know i'm like i said not not mad this was a fine dare I, yeah, i'm not i'm not upset we did it and uh, i kind of liked it yeah me and you are not going to go out and look, look for pristine copies of animax or hug a bunch to get like you know Steve K or, or Purcell's uh, autograph for him. <laughs> right, right. Well, Steve well, K, I, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, I guess Steve K is no longer with us to give us autographs. But you know, hey, maybe, maybe if uh, we had a mirror up in heaven, we could give him a hug, and then uh, Huggins would be like, yes, you know, like thanks. Did get yes. your autograph, but he hugged the dead guy. Yes, <laughs> yes. So you know, it's like mission accomplished. But yeah, all right. So so that's uh, that's probably it for this comic book dare for comics, motherfucker. Do you read them? If you guys have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can email us at fanholspodcast at gmail dot com. The backlog of our episodes can be found at fanholspodcast.blogspot.com. In addition to Comics Motherfucker, do you read them? We've got all kinds of spinoff shows. We've got the Fanholes Podcast proper. We've got Mobile Suit Mondays, Token Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Sentai Saturdays. We've got Justice, not entirely dissimilar to Lightning, a Thunderbolts podcast. And we've got Big in Japan, where we talk about anime. So if you like listening to this show, please consider checking out all the others. We appreciate all the likes, feedbacks, heart retweets, shares, etc. that we get on all the good old social media. We're on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So please consider liking us or following us there. And until the next time, this is going to be Derek, Derek WC. Hey, if you give the fan holes a hug, Huggins is going to be like, yes, signing off. Hey, guys, this is Tony and Animax. You know you're in trouble when one of your characters' names is Gross Out and Road Run and Piggy Patroller. Yeah, but if they all got hugs. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You'll get them back again.
Yeah, I, I, I can safely say I don't regret reading either one of those, but I, I have no desire to read them again. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, you know. It, it was definitely dare for me. Yeah, it's, it's, it, they're interesting historical footnotes. That's about it. You know, like, I'm not, I'm not angry I read them, but it's not like something that, uh, you know, like, we don't have any nostalgia feels about them or anything like that. And, you know. Yeah, it's not like me with the air raiders where I like the toys and I'm like, I wish the comic was better. Like, Animax is just there, yeah. Cool, And, of course, that's a good one in the can, because that can be released anytime we need it. Yeah. How long was that? Yeah, probably like an hour, ten, something like that. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Yeah. I mean, I could even maybe slice in some of the stuff we talked about about it last night, too, and see how that goes. But probably an hour, ten is fine. No, were you, were you recording last night a little bit? A little bit, yeah. I did read those fucking comic books, and then I feel like what comics? The uh, Hug a and Animax. Yeah, I, I read Hug a Bunch and Animax before oh. I left. Okay. And then, I mean, we, we don't have to talk about them or not. The one thing was I I didn't realize there's a fucking Hug a Bunch movie. I watched it, and <laughs> I feel like I feel like. We and need Derek, to like. Do you hate yourself? I feel like we need to do that as like a, a blue cupcakes thing because. Oh my god! It's like it's. I can't. I can't. I can't explain <laughs> it. Like I can't explain <laughs> like what I saw. You know, there's something very mystifying going on. It started yesterday when Mom and Dad gave Andrew and me the presents, and I just don't know what's going on. <laughs> the comic was bad enough. Wow. There's a lot of hugging in that. And there's a lot of animaxing in Animax. <laughs> However, due to my injury, I am off work tomorrow, Derek. If you would like to get on early and do that, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I could do that. Like, what? what's <laughs> early? Like, uh, well, I mean, we don't have to get on super early. I mean, like... like no, 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 no. Can... I'm, I'm happy to do it. I just, I literally mean, like, what, what, be, or what do you consider early? Um, like, like actually to start doing the show, like nine o'clock my time, which would be like six o'clock your time. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'll, I'll have to, well, I, I never, I don't know. I can rarely sleep in as it is, but I'll just, I'll set my alarm and then I can, you know, wake up and do it with you then. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course I'm going to, I mean like at night, right? You know that, right? Oh, wait, you mean six o'clock at night is early? To do a show, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Okay, I, I can do that too. I guess I I was misunderstanding you. That's that's why I was clarifying, Tony. I was like, "What do you mean by early?" Like to me, six 
six at night is not early. Like six at night is at night. Well, I'm there like, for a show. <laughs> when you when you say early, like when I record with other people and they say we're going to record early, it means like we're going to record at like you know 10 a.m. or something. You know what I mean? Like something early. Well, I mean, but like most times, like on here, because of Justin's schedule, we usually record at 10 o'clock at night. Right. Which is normal. That's like a normal. So I was thinking like nine o'clock is a little bit early for our recording schedule. I, I that's that's why it's good that you clarified. Okay. That's why I'm glad you said like, you know, you know, I don't usually sleep in. I'm like, Derek, I know you six PM is not sleeping in. Like <laughs> you don't sleep that long. <laughs> well, I was when you said six, I was like, oh, I could wake up at six AM. I'll probably be up already. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and in the evening time, in the evening time, yeah. All right, yeah, yeah, that works. I, I can do that. But man, like, and then there's a really good. Um, I didn't finish looking at everything on this site, but there's a really awesome site on your Animax shit, Tony. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you already know all this, but um, here I'll just link you to it too, because it it was supposed to be a big deal it really was well i didn't i didn't realize that like like there's all this um oh wait maybe i linked you to the the main 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 page yeah like when when i when this, I this, you this, this is this is what i meant to link you to but yeah i i, I didn't realize there was all this um lore well, I, I didn't realize it was, like, a Toy Fair thing, and then I didn't realize, like, Walt Simonson wrote, like, most of the issues and, like, all this kind of stuff. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, and, and like, you know, uh, I was aware of the Star comic. Uh, I was more aware of the, the toy line. But, like, that, that cover is fucking badass. It's interesting. If you if you look at that, the, the original cover is kind of better. Yeah, yeah. There's like that skull in the background. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think they really wanted it to be like more or less the the next key man. They kind of look like they kind of look like like mask characters driving battle beast vehicles to me. Yeah, and I I, I could be wrong, but I think Animax came out before Battle Beast. Mm. <laughs> I'm back. I mean, that, that's kind of what it looked like to me when I saw it. So, but yeah, you know, you know, it's really funny. Uh, the uh, the bad guy, um, he looks kind of like Judge Death in a way, like Scully McScullerson or whatever the bad guy's name. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's something very mystifying going on, and I think it has to do with Graham. You're new here, sweet William. So let me explain to you about our family. Dude, Justin, I can't explain. Like, hug a bunch of the movie, though. Like, <laughs> I can't. I don't. I, I. Dude, you know what's awesome about it? It's like, it's like, it's like. Okay, the, I hate the, it, but wait, hold the, on. It's so the, cool. The, the, the kids are like, mm -hmm. they're, they're the, it's like little kids, right? Because the whole thing is, I guess, hug a bunch is like. There are these freaky fucking Cabbage Patch Kid dolls that have, like, little mini tiny dolls that hug them, and they're going to spread what? hugs to people. Like, because if you don't hug people, obviously, like, you're going to be destitute and lonely and, like, die or something. If you don't get hugs, right? And apparently... these That's creep... my problem. Yes, you, you don't get enough hugs from the Hug-A-Bunch. And 
apparently, like, you know when I never did with Justin when we met, I never hugged him. What in the heck was that? There it is again. Do you hear that? It's a little tune. Well, hi there, cutie. My goodness, I just said hello. Now, now, Justin, do you have any mirrors in your household? Because apparently, like, the Hug-A-Bunch somehow have, like, Hug-A-Bunch sense, and they know you haven't been getting hugs. So they, the, these creepy dolls, like, peer through mirrors. Like, that that's a dimension into their world, like the Hug-A-Bunch land or whatever. So these weird dolls, like, morph through the fucking mirror. This sounds like the mirror world in Common Rider Ryuki. Kind of, yes. Yes, it's kind of. Because there's like, like except there's for, a mirror world and there's monsters anime. that'll jump yeah, out and grab you. Except for it's Cabbage Patch Common Rider Ryuki <laughs> or whatever. And they, they come out to hug you, not to like, I don't know, I'm, I'm spirit you away or whatever. And I'm like, right. like these kids, like, because I guess... It seems like in the comic, it's like a new kid every week or every issue or whatever that they're mm-hmm. helping with some kind of dysfunctional bullshit. But like in this movie, it's just the one family and the one little girl and then her like brother and like <laughs> so, so like a million hugger bunches come out and like hug her to death. No, <laughs> they hug. no, it's like they're. I, I feel like they're like like she's like seven or eight, and the older brother's like nine. But they talk like they're on Dawson's Creek because she's like mm. the, the 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 whole movie starts out where she's like, what does she say? She says it's like super highbrow for like a seven year old little girl or something. Where she's like she's like something is very what does she say? Very. Uh, oh, fuck, I can't even think of it now. It's like she says, she says something is very mis- not mischievous. I don't know. She, I don't know. She's just like something. Oh, oh, she says something like this is a very mysterious like circumstance or I don't know some <laughs> some phrase where I was like, no fucking seven year old knows what the like what like what are you? and I was like and and they're having like 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 straight up conversations about sending grandma to the fucking old folks home and like and like it's like legit like drama and shit and like they're enunciating and like it it's almost like they understand what they're saying like it's really weird Andrew leave me alone I gotta talk to you something's going on like yesterday they give us presents for no reason and Aunt Ruth is hanging around all the time. What's going on? Boy, are you thick. It's Grandma. What about her? They're putting her out to pasture. I don't understand. Like a horse who's too old for anything. So they just put him in a field, let him eat and enjoy their life until they grow old and die. You mean they're moving Grandma's out? But they can't. She's family. She loves us. Why would they do that? What do you want from me? I'm just a kid. But that's not right. we got to do something. So send a telegram to your congressman. Or better yet, why don't you tell your magic mirror friends? She's your grandmother, too. This is a crisis. 
Crisis, dummy. Crisis, whatever. You sit there shoving space nuggets in your face like nothing's happening. How can you? You don't show Graham any affection. You don't love anybody but yourself and your dumb old computer. You don't care. <laughs> Like, and, and I'm like, dude, they're having, like, fucking grown-ass adult conversations. And then these Hug-A-Bunch fucking pop through the mirror, and they're like, you need hugs. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. If I had to fucking have that adult conversation at that age, I'd need a fucking hug, too. It's like, Grandma mm. like, like, is my favorite person. It's like, yes, but her cerebral cortex has been deteriorating for a long time. I understand that. It is very distressing, and I do feel bad for her, but sympathy cannot replace the care that she needs. <laughs> That's kind of exactly what happens, except for imagine it, like, said in a little kid voice, but, like, clearly enunciated. Like, like Hulk Hulk will enunciate what Hulk needs to say. Hulk wrote it down, you know, and it's like, you know, Hug-a-Bunch is the greatest of things. It involves giving hugs to people that need them, you know, and I was just like, it's and and like what's funny is it's like what is the actual fuck? <laughs> well, no, there's there's that. It, it's about an hour long this movie, and apparently they spent mad money on it. Like apparently this cost like a million dollars or something. Like apparently, well, I, I don't I don't know I don't know if I really believe that, but I guess but yeah. I guess maybe on the TV budget that they had for making like this fucking stoner world of Hug-A-Bunch land when they finally go to it, you know? Like, I was like, I guess maybe that cost a million? I don't know. But, wow. I, I was like, seriously, like, I I feel like I need to make other people watch this. Like, because I, I can't, I can't have only seen this myself. Like, See, now, now, <clears throat> like, I, I walked across my apartment to my throne and I'm like, good, good. <laughs> Feel the darkness rising inside you. <laughs> this reminds me when you need to... Cody mind frame. <laughs> this reminds me of when you needed to talk about the Ultra Q like Turtle Boy episode. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of <laughs> like that, like because it's weird, it's very strange. And then like, then all of a sudden, like fucking the the Wicked Queen from Snow White shows up out of fucking nowhere. I mean, I don't know what her real name is, but that's what she looks like. And I was just like, okay. Wow. I have not seen the movie. I read that first issue, but I have not seen the movie. Wow. Well, I mean, I was trying to figure out, like, why did these things get made? And I was like, okay, well, Animax was a toy line, and then they were going to try and make it a thing. So, you know, they had the Marvel comic, and, you know. So I was like, okay, I, I, I sort of get it. Like, I sort of get what they're trying to do. And and it was... Well, it kind of looked like they got demoted like because it's like it, it i think originally it was going to be like a marvel comic you know animax oh. but then it got sort of demoted to like a star comic it seems like where they're like no no no, no. this is not going to be a, a marvel thing this is going to be like a star thing and then like the that, that's hunt... funny because the robotics comic i posted in my obscure comics was actually a marvel comic yeah, not a star yeah comic. yeah i yeah and it's like i i think that Animax was trying to be like a G.I. Joe Transformers thing, not a star thing, but it sort of got pushed into yeah, that other thing. Yeah, because, well, I mean, at the time, like, star comics were seen as the kitty comics. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, they they were they were they were not for the for the. Uh, I wouldn't say adults because you didn't really have. Well, you kind of had an adult market back then, but like, what's the best way to say this? Is if you were a kid back then, which would you rather see a PG or R rated movie or watch a G rated movie? And they push Animax into the G-rated character category. More oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you can tell because the original art was going to be a little more grittier. And then they sort of toned it down. And, like, even the, the, the storylines, like, you, you know, it's weird. They, they kept saying how they switched issues. And I was, like, trying to follow, like, does this still make sense? Because I was like, well, the, the issues kind of end on cliffhangers. So you'd think it would continue in the next issue. But according to them, issue three was really going to be issue two. And issue four is really issue two, and then we never <laughs> got. I don't know. Anyway, they, it's it's like they shuffled it all around or something. So I was mm. like, um, okay. Well, well, I, I think that happened a lot to a lot of the Hasbro properties because I never read Visionaries, but I did read Air Raiders, as you guys are very well aware of, and I did read Inhumanoids issue one, and both of those were a lot darker for a star comic but still had those editorial tweaks to where they could be star comics and i think both of those were probably meant to be a mainline story but like they were like no they're they're just toys we we got the star line fuck them you know well according to this by the time the comic finally got released the toy line was dead yeah 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 the toy line like it didn't do very well so yeah yeah, I, I, I would venture to say, back at that time, there is a part of me that says this, but there's also the kid memory. And this is not my memory as far as an adult. This is like 1980s. I want to say I saw Animax at KB, like like the Chariot Lion with Animax, maybe. But no other toys. I never saw them at like Toys R Us. I never saw them at Kmart. You know, I never saw, and that those are the two big stores at the time. Walmart wasn't as big as it was now. Hmm. And I want to say that, like, yeah, it got kind of, it got kind of uh, shanked before it could actually have a full release. I think it actually maybe had only gotten a limited release. I think. Oh, and uh, as a random side note, uh, I guess when I went and met Doug, he had already told his son like that I knew like everything there was to know about comics or whatever and that, <laughs> that he could ask me anything and I would know the answer what mm-hmm. was funny was apparently they were buying these I don't know tube socks that had you know Marvel stuff on it but I guess in the package or the box or something there's like you know Marvel trivia questions or whatever and so they start asking me this they're like oh this is something that we got stumped on we didn't know the answer to and they're they're like so it's so there's this question and it says that you know this is a term that both you know Marvel and DC and I was like oh you mean superhero and and then he told his wife he's like see we didn't even finish the question and he told us what the answer was 